Chapter Seventeen of Stories from the Trenches Funny Tales the Soldiers Tell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stories from the Trenches Funny Tales the Soldiers Tell by Carlton Case. Chapter Seventeen Letters from the Front last evening we went out into a field and read jane austen's emma out loud do you get the picture can you see the fading glory of the sunset sky and hear the soft breeze sweetly laden with the scent of new-mown hay as it murmurs through the gently rustling leaves a real autumn scene of rural peace and quiet yes well you are quite mistaken that is an extract from a letter written by an ambulance driver on the french front and so you see that war is not all horror emerson lowe the son of alfred m lowe of detroit went to france with a group of college boys he joined the american field ambulance service and is now in the thick of the fighting in the champagne district the detroit free press prints some extracts from his letters to his family in one he tells of his trip to the posts day before yesterday several of us started out for the posts i carried the médecin de visionnaire and went a little before the others in spite of the fact that the fields are being recultivated and the seerness of former battles is somewhat concealed the road to the front is rather a grim affair and you are startled when you pass through a town deserted and demolished there is quite a large town between this one and the front it is uninhabited except for a few soldiers and a yellow dog that slinks about in the doorways i left the medecin de visionnaire at his abri a little further along the road a road hidden completely by strips of burlap tied to poles the first post is in a little wood there were two of us there and we tossed a coin to see who would take the first call i won and waited for an ambulance to come in from one of our three posts these posts are along the front of the hill where the battle is taking place they are all reached by going through and then beyond x you remember the little destroyed town with the church which i spoke of during our first month the first post was a smaller town than x and is now raised completely to the ground the second is about one-fourth of a mile to the right and the third which can only be reached during the night and left before dawn is a german abri formerly a dugout of german officers the german saucisse are directly above the road and any machine would be shelled in the daytime the posts are close together and are reached by exposed roads my call came about noon i was given an orderly and left for the first post from the road we could see the shells breaking on the hill and in the fields about where the french batteries were hidden we reached the post backed the machine into a wide trench which hid it from view and then went into the dugout it was a new iron dugout about thirty feet long and ten or twelve feet broad with bunks on either side on top were heaped bags of sand and dirt we read until about two o'clock when several shells fell in the battery field a few meters behind us then a few shells fell in a field to the right and in another moment we were in the midst of a bombardment it lasted all afternoon two men trying to enter the dugout were hit one in the throat and the other in the shoulder but not badly 
about six o'clock it grew so bad and so many shells fell on the roof of the dugout that we had to leave cross through some trenches a strange-looking procession crouching and running along and get into a deep cave about twenty feet under the ground where we stayed until eight o'clock in the evening then the firing became intermittent the shells hit further to the right and left and we ran back into the dugout it was still light and an airplane soared above us the noise of which is to me for an unaccountable reason one of the most reassuring sounds i have ever heard quite jocularly he writes of supper first having looked at his car which he found uninjured although covered with dirt from exploding shells continuing he says there were about eight of us the orderly and myself the lieutenant doctor in charge and three or four old brancardiers who when they ate their soup made more noise than the shells after every few spoonfuls to avoid waste they poked their mustaches in their mouths and sucked them loudly during the evening the firing became steady on both sides the french battery pouring their shells which whistled over our dugout we went to bed secure in this iron cylinder whose great ribs stood like the fleshless carcass of a beast which to destroy would be a worthless task a stump of a candle lay wrapped in our blankets in the bunks it was rather comfortable except that my bed was crossed at the top by a piece of iron just where my head lay all through the night there was a continuous commotion in the dugout the brancardiers running around and talking in loud voices about things we were too sleepy to understand we had no blessés during the night an exceptional thing this morning they had fifty from one post and were relieved about half-past ten the next morning i returned to the large town where our cantonment had been changed to another quarter of the village this is an exceptionally fine cantonment and was recently occupied by the british ambulance whose place we have taken i think it was originally an officer's barracks two low cement buildings faced with red brick and roofed with red tile stand on one side and opposite these are the stables used by the genies in front of the houses are some trees and grass each house one story in height is divided into four parts accessible by four doors jim rogers and i have one room to ourselves off the third hallway and in front there are three other rooms accessible by the same hallway it is almost like a separate house as each division has its flight of steps before the door and there is a main sidewalk running under all the front windows we have our three stretchers on the floor two cupboards a broken mirror and two camp stools we keep our trunks etc right in the room and it saves transferring them every trip to the posts there is a large french window with blue shutters we certainly are comfortably located there are no showers after all we had expected two except one that is broken and we wash from our bidon canteens with a sponge which is almost as good jim and rogers came back yesterday shortly before i did they had both been to the same post the second one and had been caught in a gas attack which lasted for an hour they sat in the abri with their masks on the masks are a greenish color with two big round windows for the eyes and of course with the helmets the abri was crowded and from their description they must have looked like so many big beetles crouching together 
there is absolutely no danger with the masks however and we carry one always with us even in town and one fastened in the car last evening we went out into a field and read jane austen's emma out loud jim and rog left this morning for the posts and i go to-morrow of the routine work of the ambulance driver he writes on account of the night driving we have lately put two men on each car a driver and an orderly who just goes back and forth between the posts five cars are out every day and eight drivers three cars begin at the posts and two wait in the woods as a car comes in from a post another is sent out from the woods and this driver takes with him the orderly who has just come in as only one man is necessary to make the trip from the woods to the hospital from the hospital the latter returns to the woods and thus a relay is formed the day before yesterday i was at post one yesterday beginning at noon i was en repose for the day to-day i am en replacement that is practically the same as repose but if any extra cars are wanted in case of an attack etc we have to be within call i am fourth in the list and don't expect to go out to-morrow i go in my own car next day repose next day is orderly to post three next day repose etc the work is as interesting as ever in another letter which the free press prints mr lowe tells of a battle between airplanes directly over his head the engagement ended with the winging of both machines the letter reads the german machine fell between the lines the french plane near one of our posts there was a terrific fight which we could hardly see as it was very high in the air the french plane caught on fire and began to fall after some meters it was entirely enveloped in smoke and the three aviators had to jump which was a quicker death when they were found parts of their bodies had been burned away just before this the first german shell fell in our cantonment it was about half-past seven in the morning and we were all asleep when we heard the rush and explosion of an obus it struck about two meters from the barracks and made a large hole in the road three shells usually fall in one place but no other followed for a day of repose it certainly was disturbing yesterday i had a hot shower at the hospital near here it certainly seemed good after bathing for two months out of a small reserve water can this morning we are at the second post before the war there were really enough houses to call it a small town but it has been so completely destroyed that only stumps of the buildings remain batteries have been planted all about it and at present they are receiving a heavy shelling from the germans mr lowe seems to possess an excellent nervous organization and a dependable imagination which he finds quite useful he says we are kept in the dugout which provided with chairs and a table is very comfortable it is rather pleasant to be securely seated here with books and listening to the rush of the shells overhead it is like being before a great fire and listening to a winter storm outside as long as no blessés are brought in we can sit here and warm our feet until the storm is over our beds are all made on the stretchers placed high enough to keep out the rats and we intend to spend a pleasant afternoon reading i have rogers shakespeare and i am reading cymbeline we have just had lunch hot meat lentils 
camembert and the inevitable pinard the bombardment has nearly died away so we can sit out a while and enjoy a very delightful august day this post is reached by an old roman road which is rather badly torn up they have just put up a screen of burlap to conceal it from the saucisse that is to hide the traffic on it for the german gunners know where every road lies later a young fellow of about nineteen was just carried in he was at the battery post a few meters behind us and became half crazed by the shells during the bombardment it is quite a common occurrence especially with the men in the trenches the french call it commotion and the mind becomes so stunned that often they lose their speech or become totally stupid the lieutenant said that this was a bad case and that if another shell fell near the man he would go mad he asked us to take the fellow back to the hospital as soon as possible and i had to ride in the back of the ambulance with him all the way to keep him quiet fortunately no shells came near the car after supper we sat near the edge of the road and watched two or three battalions pass by on their way to the trenches the road filled with carts and supply wagons as soon as the saucisse descended these vehicles travel between towns in the rear to a communication trench a little beyond our post a point which is a terminus for all traffic from there the ammunition and supplies are carried to the trenches by hand there is a little railroad running from that point beyond our post horses pulling small flat cars loaded with wood barbed wire etc for the trenches a young poilu standing up and waving his arms came spinning down the hill in an empty car he nearly caused a collision and i never saw a man so yelled and screamed at as this one was by his sergeant the officer scolded him for a quarter of an hour and shouted himself hoarse quelle bêtise about nine we went down into the abri lighted a candle on the table and read until about ten when a man burst through the door shouting gaz gaz monsieur medecin and dashed out again the medecin went outside and returning told us to have our masks ready that gas was coming over the hill and blowing in our direction we waited about ten minutes and heard the alarm bell ring a signal to warn that a gas attack is near we sat waiting with our masks at our elbows but the wind carried the gas in another direction and we did not have to use them these attacks are frequent but not dangerous as at every hour of the day a man stands in the first line trench with a bell at his side to give warning of gas the masks that we always carry at our belts are positive guards against any sort of gas we read until twelve and then went to bed lucky in having only one trip through the day End of chapter seventeen